IndieCast is presented by Uproxx's Indie Mixtape. Hello everyone and welcome to IndieCast. On this show we talk about the biggest indie news of the week, we review albums and we hash out trends. In this episode we're going to be giving away our mid-year award for indie rock semi-excellence, <laughs> the IndieCasties. My name is Stephen Hyden, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Ian Cohen. Ian, how are you? So, if you're if you're anything like me, one of the first things you do in the morning is check Facebook memories. Uh, this is actually a very useful tool for me at work. It helps generate small talk, which I need to access throughout the day, and also, you know, how else am I supposed to remember what day I saw Soldier Boy at the American Apparel in L.A.? Turns out it was June 23rd, but for today. It's important because I look at like the past 10 years of July 1st and what I see are Spotify screenshots of Japan droids. I see one of Pup, Constantine's, uh, and it just dawned on me how indie, like how IndieCast really blew an opportunity to celebrate Canada Day. I really can't believe. When was that? Uh, it's July 1st, right? Oh, I, I, you're asking me like I know I don't, but uh, you're further north than I am. I, I'd imagine this. That's would, true. This I'm, would hit closer I'm to practically home. an honorary Canadian. <laughs> well, yeah, so July first, we're missing it by a day. Okay, but uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Canadians out there. We have a lot of Canadians who listen to our show. Yeah, who write in all the time. There's something. In, there's something in, inherently Canadian about IndieCast. I can't quite put my finger on it, but well, you know, I. I'm a lifelong resident of the Upper Midwest. I've lived in Wisconsin and Minnesota, so I'm practically Canadian. You, I mean, you're you've lived in the East Coast, yeah. the South, and the West Coast, so you're not really Canadian, but no. you're musically Canadian. Yeah, musically Canadian. You know, like I think for all of us, there's something kind of modest when you talk about like IndieCast semi excellence. I'm not saying they're you know Canadian bands are semi excellent, but it's that modesty in there. You know, there's something about that. Um, just something kind of homespun about what IndieCast does, and um, yeah, I, I I think that's why we we tend to poll pretty well in the in the Great White North. You know, we might have to do a tragically hip. Oh God, at some yes. Point. Shout out to the tragically hip. Um, we are going to be doing our IndieCasties uh, today. This is our second IndieCasties. Yes. Um, I guess it'd be like the second biannual because we do it <laughs> twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking, you know, we're hold now... on, hold on. Wait, is it does biannual mean like every other year or? Oh, good I, question. I always get that shit confused. That's a good question. I was saying it meaning twice a year. Okay, but you 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 could be right. Yes, biannual is twice a year. There's some other thing where it's once every two years. Biennial, I think is biannual. Yes. Okay, so I was right. All right, bi- it's our second and, biannual and, and, indie casting. And binaural is a mid-tier Pearl Jam album. Let's just get yes. that part clear as well. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we're now officially into the second half of, uh, of 2021. And I was thinking how, I feel like the, like the mid-year list is like a relatively recent phenomenon. Like I, when I first got started in this business, I don't remember that being a thing, but now I feel like most places will do some sort of mid-year list. So you're actually, you're like double dipping (laughs) into the list, um, uh, you know, content mill. And it's funny because people complain about how the year end list, uh-huh. uh, you know, they go up now, like in like late November, <laughs> uh, 
when you still have a month left over. And like the mid-year list, and I'm guilty of this, the site I work for, Uprox, we did this, it goes up in early June. So you're really talking about five months, not six months. <laughs> and you're doing that for obvious reasons. You're trying to get ahead of the curve because once you don't want to be like the 10th list that goes up because people are less likely to read it. But uh, yeah, I mean, am I wrong? I mean, I feel like this mid-year thing is relatively new, right? I think it's relatively new. Um, and also I do think the uh, drift is also relatively new where it gets like earlier and earlier in the year. But you know, like we, we've talked about this at our year end list. I, I love lists. I cannot get enough of them. And especially like as, uh, you know, in 2021 and even 2020 as like more and more albums come out and you find yourself being more difficult to keep up. Like this is a good time to catch up because I, I don't think there are many albums that come out on the 4th of July weekend. Uh, maybe there's a Lana Del Rey album happening. I don't know. We'll get into that during our indie casties, but I just love when after a year where it seems like publications just like kind of chasing after every trend and every little news story where we can break it down and say, okay, here's the stuff that we really, really like. And, um, you know, the fact that it's happening earlier and earlier, well, I, I don't know. Like maybe we're just going to be able to break – eventually we're going to like break the mold and like the year endless – it's going to be like the fiscal year going forward where like the number one album is like the one that gets like announced in June. Well, you know, I, I've seen this thing already where some places do a list – three months into the year. So they're doing quarterly uh, lists. I think I see, I, I feel like Vulture has done yes, that. Yes, they could have. Be, yeah, they've done that. So that might be the next frontier yeah. where we're doing quarterly lists. It's like shareholders. I'm, you know, if, we, if we're, if we're going to get, if we're going to like integrate billions into this conversation and we must, uh, yes. you know, it's like we got to, we got to please the shareholders. We got to show exponential growth over each quarter. You know, here's our Q3. Like where, 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 like, where are the blockbusters, man? Like, we what? What if there was like an episode of Billions, like where Axelrod was like shorting certain albums? Like, if they, if they were gonna do like well, like like okay, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna short um, the Lucy Dacus album. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna short the Lucy Dacus album. I'm gonna guess that that album is not gonna get a best new music Ooh. from Pitchfork, <laughs> which it didn't. Which it does it. Which come on, I think it deserved to get that, but that that, that that's beside the point. Like maybe um, Axelrod has a has a hunch that that album's not going to get best. He's got, music, he's, got then... he's got inside intel from people, but actually, well, that reminds me that's that reminds me of the Succession episode where they actually shorted a, um, I guess it was like kind of a fake Gawker or something like that, like where they bought the, uh, I think it was it, it was I mean I think it was maybe like a fake Vulture. And they and uh, they they bought it and then they eventually shut it down. Right. Oh yeah, that was a big. That was huge on media oh, Twitter. God. That was like hugely Bleeding sucking up to media shum. Twitter. <laughs> but like in in my billions episode about <laughs> Axelrod shorting on uh you know speculative pitchfork scores, I think he just dis- I think he dispatches Dollar Bill to the pitchfork <laughs> offices and Dollar Bill. He like corners, let's say Jeremy Larson, friend of the podcast, Pitchfork <laughs> Reviews editor. He like does something to Jeremy Larson, like where he forces him to lower the score. So there's like some sh- like chicanery going on. That's wh- that's why Jeremy's uh, got a broken collarbone. Yeah, that's he- right. He- heal up, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I saw that on Instagram. Yeah, shout out to Jeremy Larson. Hope you're doing okay, pal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know that could have been like a good <laughs> yeah. billions episode. Yeah, Brian Koppelman, if you're listening, 
and there is like a non-zero possibility that's happening right now, right, Steve? I hope so. I hope he's listening. <laughs> All right. Brian, yeah, take notes on this. I I don't think it's too inside baseball to have Bobby Axelrod shorting <laughs> pitchfork scores. I think that would be a great episode. I think Jeremy would love to be a guest star. He could like play himself in the episode. <laughs> It'd be great cross marketing for everybody. It, I think we're onto something here. Yeah. I think this, this, this could be a great Spitting idea. Spitting gold here. Um, yeah, absolutely. Maybe that will be in the end of the year indie casties. Like, if this actually happens, that could be an amazing thing. But um, we have a lot to get into with the indie casties. So unfortunately, we're not going to be doing our mailbag segment today. We ha- we do have some great letters that we could have read. Probably but, most of them um, from Canada. Exactly. And and hopefully more. Yes. Because again, we, we do observe Canada Day here on uh, IndieCast. Uh, shout out to our Canadian listeners uh, and our and all of our listeners. Yeah. Uh, if you want to write us a letter, again, our email address is indiecastmailbag at gmail.com. So definitely hit us up. We're going to get back to the mailbag next week. I feel like we're probably due for an all mailbag episode pretty soon <laughs> uh, as, as we move into the lean yeah. months of, of summer for music news. July is still like, it's still like kind of a delay where it's like festival season in most years. So. Uh, the music industry is kind of centered around that. But yeah, July, we're definitely going to be hitting the mailbag hard. So, Yeah, so please hit us up. Yeah. Send us some good letters. We'll, we'll get you in the episode. But for now, it's time for the second biannual yes. IndieCastie. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with the IndieCasties, we're not doing the conventional mid-year roundup where we're just talking about notable albums or songs like we have specific categories of 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 things that that are going to be honoring the historic events that have happened already in in 2021 the game behind Um, the game let's just say the game behind the game (laughs) um and uh i'm really excited to get into it so why don't we start with our first category first category of the night and it's a big one yeah uh, these are all big ones. Like, th- there's no boring categories yes. at the Indie Casties. But some are bigger than others, and this one's pretty big. This one's pretty big. It's Most Valuable Album Cycle, also <laughs> known as the MVAC. Yeah. And should we talk for a minute about how we're defining value here? I would absolutely. Yeah. Let let's let's talk about let's talk about like what value actually means because I mean I think most people would imagine that. This is giving tribute to the album cycle, which did the most to elevate the album or like the one that had like the best promo or the best like singles. But it's the, like, what is what does it mean to us when an album is ver- an album cycle is valuable? Well, it's it's purely um, we're, we're talking in terms of self-interest here because <laughs> we are part of the content creation machine. Yes. For uh, the music industry, and uh, yeah, we're not looking for, like you said, the the album cycle that uh, you know garnered the best reviews or put the best focus on the record. We're we're really talking about the album cycles that were the most fun to talk about for us. Yeah. That we could talk we could talk about many times in our show, uh, even during like the lean months. <laughs> In the early part of the year, when we were still on lockdown and there was not a lot going on, there were some album cycles that just were giving us gifts. Yeah, and not like, and not, and not in the sense that, like, with that raw, I think it was the Roswell Kid album from 2017, where uh, people got like a potato in the mail, or like when young, <laughs> or when Young Thug sent, I think they sent uh, a snake to 
uh, certain publications to promote uh, his new album. Like, we're not talking about those kind of gifts. We're This is more like we wake up on Thursday and it's like, hold on, we got some new banter. Like, the stuff that just arrives yes. on your doorstep, like the Daily News. This is who we're talking about. Like, the people who are really, like, who are really sowing the seeds in the content farm. Yes, absolutely. So let's get to our nominees. Mm-hmm. The nominees for Most Valuable Album Cycle are... St. Vincent's Daddy's Home, mm. Lana Del Rey's Come Trails Over the Country Club. Already, this is just like, uh, this is a clash of the titans. Yeah, this is heavy hitters. This <laughs> is like the best picture category, like in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> like you, every movie was a classic. Demi Lovato, uh, we didn't write down the album title for yeah. this one. Sleeper. What was this album called? Sle- that, that, that is a sleeper. Uh, I believe it's called Dancing with the Devil. Dancing with the Devil. Is it really? Is that what it's called? Uh, I believe it. it well, um, no, it's Dancing with the Devil, The Art of Starting Over. Dancing <laughs> Dancing with the Devil, I believe, was like the uh, documentary. Okay, so wait, so the whole... So Dancing the with the called... Devil, Ellipses, The Art of Starting Over. Now, I like, I know... That's it's, the whole album title? Yes, it's very Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> Shout out to them, but like that is... That is the so this is exactly what we're talking about where we can't even remember the album but we can remember the content. Exactly. You know the album and itself then, is this vestigial organ for banter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, but man, I'm not gonna forget that album title. Yeah. Again, that. Yeah. I mean, if we if, we don't have this, is that is that like the album title of 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 2021 so far? We don't have that as a category. No. But. That'll be up there. Also, well. I'm like I'm I'm hesitant to actually continue like making fun of this because I mean if we're talking about the album cycle itself, uh, we know that um, you know making you know jo- even joking about this artist uh, can present a massive backlash. But yeah, that's that that is that is the sleeper I believe in this and uh, the fourth and I'm just gonna like this is predicted. This is sp- strictly on speculation. Uh, I'm going to put Ed Sheeran in there because I don't think that there's going to be an album that is, oh, I, I haven't seen the video, but like just the sheer, like did like the, the lack of quality control. Like it seems like a weekend ripoff. Like Ed Sheeran is always a guy you could dunk on, but like, I think this one could be like monumental and like, it, it gives you everything. It gives you like a pop, like it gives you the target of a pop star, but like, you could kind of take the gloves off because I can't imagine the Ed Sheeran Stan Army being anywhere near as vicious as those of some of the others. So, well, yeah, they're used to it. I feel yeah. like they are, they're probably in a good headspace where they're like, "Oh, we'll just tune out music critics yeah. who, you know, to be fair, they have not done anything to stop Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Ed Sheeran, you know, yeah, soldiers is on. dominating the world. Didn't he dress up like as the Joker? Yeah, it's sort of like the weekend, video? but also the Joker. Oh. Um, Oh my god. Yeah, it's so I mean just based on that nugget alone, um I'm extrapolating over what I assume is going to be an album oh, yeah. cycle. Like we could be looking at like Man in the Woods times 10. Oh man, Man in the Woods. Yes. That's uh one of the great album cycles of all time. Yeah, so classic. You, you're really you're really <laughs> comparing it to the greats already. Yeah, busting out the fine uh, china for this one. So again, St. Vincent, Lana Del Rey, Demi Lovato, Ed Sheeran, those are the nominees. And the winner is, and I think we're unanimous yes, on this, right? Absolutely. St. Vincent, Daddy's Home. Yay. 
So yeah, we, we're unanimous on this one. I think that Lana Del Rey was a strong number two. Strong number two, but that's like it's like in the NBA where like LeBron James is nominated. He'll like finish second or third for MVP voting each year, and just because you kind of expect that sort of excellence, you know. But I think with right. St. Vincent, this is like uh, Jokic, you know, coming like someone who is who has been like a real player for a while, but then that just takes things to the next level in an otherwise weak year. Because, I mean, a lot of the way album cycles, you know what you're going to get. Like St. Vincent somehow leveled up to this new level of villainy um, and back like I don't think in 2017 when Mass Seduction came out, we would think, oh, yeah. Oh, a we're gonna have a podcast, but B like Saint Vincent will take up several episodes in terms of the content being generated. I think that um, they went full heel turn, not not, yeah. not intentionally, but I think that the heel turn is at least somewhat complete. But actually, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna I talk think... about her in a, in a in a in a in a future category, which we can talk about like how maybe like maybe the heel turn isn't quite what we thought it was, but. Yeah, I, I, the the dad going to jail. I mean, it brought a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, I actually feel to some degree that the heel turn is is deliberate on her part, mm-hmm. and I I think maybe I've changed my mind on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like her embracing this role because, to be honest, Saint Vincent to me, and we talked about this when the album came out. Um, I think she's very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, got a lot of things going for her. She's a great musician. But musically, I've always found her to be a little dull. Mm-hmm. Like, her records haven't really connected with me on an emotional level. And I have to say that Daddy's Home, because of the narrative about her father and making the album about you know her dad going to White Collar Prison and then coming home and, and uh, St. Vincent initially using that as an excuse to talk about the uh, you know the prison system, <laughs> and then backing away from that yeah. in other interviews, um, it just was way more interesting to me than like a lot of her other records yeah. because of all this other stuff going around it. So, uh, I think at the time I was a little more annoyed about it, but now I'm I'm embrace. I, I, I think I'm into it a little bit, yeah. and uh, yeah, this. Again, that's a great analogy that you made, <laughs> Lana Del Rey to LeBron, because yeah, you expect Lana Del Rey to come with a strong album cycle. But yeah, St. Vincent, yeah, she really stepped up yeah. with Daddy's Home. And uh, yeah, it, it, it made this record more interesting to me than I think it would have been purely as music. Yeah, it's it's it, it, you got a little bit of everything because then you got some people like dunk, just like straight up dunking on some things and then... The backlash to that, and uh, you know, when the album finally came out, and the cover, like evoking Harry Nilsson, there, there's just it's it's a very rich tapestry to unravel, and so uh, you know, it, even if the record itself like didn't give me a heck of a lot of you know pleasure uh, from a straight up listening, it's it, it's like what Darren Darren Rovell said. I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content, <laughs> and. Um, St. Vincent, multiple indie cast nominee. Yeah. Uh, dominating today. the year. Dominating the year. Yes. Yeah, so she is, uh, you know, what? She's like the Quincy Jones of the indie casties. Or, I'm she, trying to think Ni- of someone who's... She's Nicola Jokic and Quincy Jones. That's like, that That <laughs> honestly sounds like the sort of, the th- sort of thing you usually hear in like a St. Vincent review where it's like, it's like David Bowie, but also Prince. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. So congratulations to St. Vincent yeah. for winning the MVAC uh, at the uh, IndyCassie's mid-year review in 2021. Let's get to our next category. It is the Music Writer Twitter Story of the Year, or I guess of the half year. Yeah. And, There's uh, absolutely no way this one won't be the Music Writing Twitter Story of the Year, though. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we don't want to spoil anything just yet. Yeah. But again, similar to um, the first category, th- th- these are the stories that gave us a lot of uh, a lot of grist for the mill uh, here. That w- things that we could talk about and have fun with. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Music Writer Twitter, which Music Writer Twitter can be, shall we say, a rough place, yeah. maybe even a miserable place sometimes. But these stories helped. Uh, well, not all the stories. No. Some of the stories made it miserable. <laughs> yeah. But but I think certainly the one that's going to win, and I think we all know probably what's going to win. That brought a lot of pleasure. Oh yeah, uh, to this dark corner of the internet. Yeah, it's it's these are the stories which you know, like Steve was saying, like some of them like really just. It, it, you know, it just makes you, like, I got to quit Twitter because there's absolutely no way humans can sustain under these conditions. And then, then there are the stories where everyone just kind of binds together and you just realize that, oh, wait, these people uh, I interact with all day on Twitter, like, we have, like, 99.999% things in common and we're just fighting over, like, the point zero zero one. Exactly. So, let's get to our nominees. First nominee... And I'm putting this in quote marks. Is it okay for old people to like Olivia Rodrigo? And also, let's just mention that old people in this this context is like 30-year-olds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 30-year-olds living in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, is it okay for them to like Olivia Rodrigo? They're that, old souls. <laughs> yes. That This was a topic that was discussed ad nauseum on Music Writer Twitter uh-huh. uh, in the early part of 2021. Again, maybe not bringing... The sunlight that we were referring to earlier. I mean, this was an example of the sunlight, really. But it was a very notable story in this corner of the world. Uh, The next nominee, the Eve Six Guys Twitter account. Uh, I like the fact that, like, you know, like, similar to Demi Lovato's album title, you just kind of know it, like, tangentially. Do you know the Eve Eve Six six Guys name? (laughs) No idea. No idea. I, I think it's Max. Max, okay, sure. <laughs> and I think his account started in 2020, but it really, yeah. I think, really started to blow up in in 2021. Um, Eric Alper, yes, <laughs> our next nominee. I, I love the fact that he has like a bill, like Eric Alper, just in general. To those who like in who who haven't been so online brain poisoned, if you're listening right now, Eric Alper is, uh, I, I like just. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Muddy Waters combined when it comes to, like, the quote tweet prompt. Yes. Like, calendar, like, every July 22nd or whatever, it would be like, what was the song that made you feel like you're in high school again? I'm going to call him the Ramones of the tweet prompt because it's so so simple and straightforward. And you think, well, how is this going to work? And yet, people just (laughs) respond to his tweet prompts. He just... Goes to the bank. He's got seven hundred fifty thousand followers, yeah. and all he does all day is ask people like, "Name an album that you liked yeah. last year." And twenty thousand replies. And uh, do you think is it pot? Like I, this just came to me, and like I felt like my heart die a little inside, which I think is like you know kind of the main point of having this category. Uh, does he think he has like an assistant or an intern? 
Well, you know, there was a Billboard profile of him that ran this week. And it's a, it, I didn't read the whole story because no. I was so irritated the, by it. <laughs> the, hair, like the haircut. I mean, just, he seems like a sweet guy. You yeah, know, no, happy Canada Day. He's Canadian. No, nothing against him, but I don't know. Just and just the idea that he was garnering a huge profile to me. I was like, oh, why are we writing about this guy? Even though I, I understand it. When I think about like all of the uh, um, you know the the pitches I've made, not to Billboard specifically, but to like other publications that have been. Um, you know, kind of rejected. I think, like, or or just think if you're a musician, it's like, wait, I think we're making a dope album, uh, and then all of a sudden, like this guy, he gets a big Billboard profile. <laughs> I can can only imagine what that must do to someone's self esteem. Well, I I think you say I got to get retweeted by Eric Alper. I mean, that's yeah. the only shot that I have for anyone to hear my album. Anyway, enough about Eric Alper. The final yeah. nominee, Eve Fartlow. Oh God! Yeah. And well, let's just—we won't even be dramatic. <laughs> yeah, do here. away with the suspense. Uh, this is like you know, this is like Daniel Day Lewis, and there will be blood. Yeah. I think in this category, you know, you don't have to worry about the other nominees. I don't think the winner of the music writer Twitter story of the half year, yeah, Eve Fartlow. Yeah, and I'm I'm just gonna assume that like that. If if you followed us along this journey this year, you know what we're talking about. Like this is a former music writer. I think still identifying somewhat as a music writer, or at least a culture writer, um, went like a real pivot into you know aggressive Zionism, and then got called Eve Fartlow because her name's Eve Barlow. And then Seth Rogen made a like kind of a fart emoji, and then she compared it to pogroms and. And been on Fox News. I mean, like, I think in general, um, COVID times, you know, as terrible as they've been, are sort of like the steroid era for music writer Twitter. Like, it's just, there's just so many heavy hitters, like, being artificially inflated by the fact that, you know, none of us can go outside. And, like, this is like, this is like Barry Bonds. uh, Yeah. Like, straight steroid era. Like, you're, I mean... It's in in and of itself, it's impressive. Like you can't get this kind of action if you don't have some sort of like uh, next level capacity. But also, it's just amplified to a degree which we will never see again. Like even if you think it's like illegitimate, you kind of have to sit back in awe of this particular story. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like uh, this is it's hard for it's hard for me to imagine anything in the second half of 2021 surpassing this or 2022 well yeah I, really it, we're so early into the 2020s i i don't want to be presumptuous but this feels like all decade team music writer twitter stories i mean yeah. i i feel like we're going to be here in 2029 in december and we're going to be like nope it's still e fartlow e yeah. fartlow was a moment in time that will not be repeated. Uh, it was historic. We all knew, we all remember where we were when we first saw Fartlow. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been burned into our consciousness. It, it's just one of those landmarks in time that we that we use to measure our lives. Yeah, Doc, um, Doc Ellis throwing a no-hitter on LSD, that sort of thing. Maybe exactly. that. Maybe that. I mean, I'm like really heavy on the sports metaphors these well, I was days. Gonna, I mean, I'm going to go... This is like the Challenger explosion oh, of a music writer Twitter. This is the 9/11 of uh, music writer Twitter. Uh, <laughs> this is you know I'm ta- it's like on this level of uh, just history making 
music writer Twitter story. So <laughs> there's gonna be uh, what there's gonna be like songs by like Toby Keith or whatever whatever the Toby Keith of the day is like making songs about this particular thing. I don't know. Have you forgot? Yeah, I know. Are there gonna be fart low? <laughs> Do you think like I, I really think that there's the possibility of like someone writing a song about this? Maybe not like directly referencing it, but just maybe inspired or like I feel like we're Ooh. gonna maybe see. This seems like the sort of thing that we're gonna see like referenced in some oblique way in a movie or a song where people say they were inspired by this. I like that you're trying to actualize this. I feel we're like really we good at that, though. This into the world. Like, we, like IndieCast, if nothing else, is really proven prophetic in terms of uh, you know actualizing uh, the some of the uh, let's say less serious uh, jags that we go on here. I mean, I would not be shocked if like Rivers Cuomo writes a song called Fartlow. I mean, that just seems like something he would do. <laughs> Uh, that'll be the next Weezer single. I I would not be shocked. Um, all right, we gotta we gotta we have a yeah. lot of other categories. We're just like the we're like any award show. We we go on for yeah. too long, and then we're gonna end up rushing at the end. So let's get to our next category. This is memory hold album of 2021. This says a lot because no out al- like any album that we talk about here has to be like by definition less than six months old. Yep, less than six months old. Um. And when we what we mean by memory hold is these are albums that we are pretty sure existed at one point, and yet as soon as they came out, it seems like everyone instantly forgot that they were on the planet. And yeah, you can go to Spotify and look them up, and they're technically <laughs> there, but uh, are they yeah. really there? You know, we can't we can't confirm that really. So let's get to our nominees: uh, Kings of Leon. Uh, and I'm not even going to like say album titles because part of this category is that I don't remember the titles of a lot of these albums. Kings of Leon, I think, was basically just people talked about that being released as an NFT. I forgot about that. That was the big thing. <laughs> well, of course you forgot about it. Um, that's why it's nominated. Um, NFT, by the way, that that could have almost been in our previous oh, God, category. Yeah. Well, that, the pro- we can't talk about that because I still don't fucking understand what it is. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't either. Uh, even 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 the billions episodes that get into crypto, I'm like, oh god, I really could use an explainer right now. Let's get to our next uh, nominee, Nick Jonas and Zane. <laughs> yes, the male, the male, the like we're 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 poptimism fail. Yeah, and I have to say, this is a strong nominee because I literally did not know this album existed until you put it in our outline. So I don't yeah. I don't think I remember. They're two separate albums, but oh, both it? I think in a similar both in a similar vein of like this is the next big male pop star and like lo, like Zane Zane's a particular uh, pet one of mine because they like magazines have always tried to play and it's like this is the edgy guy from One Direction. It's like this guy's right. edgy. He's like dangerous and it's like effortless cool of Zane, and it's like this is the most try-hard cool imaginable. Well, is it so. fair to call him the, the J.C. Chazé of uh, One Direction at this point? You'll, you'll have to... Uh, I can't honestly remember whether that was the edgy one, so I'm Well, he was like the second-in-command to Justin Timberlake, and uh, right. we all know what happened to Timberlake, and then J.C. Chazé kind of faded away, and obviously you have Harry <laughs> Styles. He's the yeah. big... He's the big gun. Although there's another guy yeah. too, isn't it Liam? Somebody? Lee? There's a yeah, there's probably a Liam. the guy who did Neil. The guy who did Slow Hands, which <laughs> is not an Interpol cover. 
I heard that song in the. I heard that song the other day. I'm like, oh, this is the slow hands. Next nominee, Slater Kinney. Uh, and then we have, and I added this one at the last minute, the Black yeah. Keys. Although we oh, did, yeah. we talked about the Black Keys on this on this uh, show, uh, but I don't remember much about that other than the album title, yeah, uh, Delta, Delta Cream. But you know, again, Black Keys at one time, one of the biggest rock bands in the world, and I'm not They'll sure. Probably what, are. Yeah, they're still really popular. I mean, there was a blues covers album. Um, so you know it wasn't an album of originals so maybe that's why it gets in here Um, again the nominees Kings of Leon Nick Jonas and Zane we're grouping them together even though they didn't make an album together Slater Kinney and the Black Keys and um, this isn't a unanimous choice we did a split ballot on this one right Mm. so I'm going to announce them both for the audience here my choice Kings of Leon Ian's choice, Slater Kinney. So, why did you pick Slater Kinney for this? So, I mean, for for Slater Kinney, it's like there's just like kind of a general malaise around this band that feels pretty incredible given that I think for a lot of, you know, the past couple of decades, there's been a real kind of uh, shift into kind of seeing them maybe as not just like one of the best bands in the 90s, maybe like the best band of the 90s as far as indie rock goes. And, um, you know, with, when they came back in 2015 with No Cities to Love, that was, you know, highly celebrated. I think it was their first album in 10 years. Um, and then in the time since, there's been this sort of slow drift to the point where like a new Slater Kinney album, like I think as far as, like it's about like new Modest Mouse album sort of quality which is just really hard. It's really amazing to behold just how like there's this sense of like, eh, maybe it's not that great. Like you see people, you see people struggling in real time with it. And to the point where you kind of sort of just want to forget about it. Cause I mean, people could blame, you know, St. Vincent on uh, the center won't hold the one that came out in, I believe 19. Um, and this one, it's like, well, you know, ah, oh, they're back. And, but like Janet Weiss is gone. And, I would say that there's the malaise around this band. I keep coming back to the word malaise because they, Slater Kenny have gone from this, I guess like this legendary unimpeachable sort of band to a band that like, it's just like, okay, like new modest mouse album, you know? So, uh, you know, it, the thing with them though, is that I'm not convinced that Janet Weiss is out for good. I feel like at some uh, point she could be brought back into the fold and then they're going to be right back. Yeah, gonna, that's a good point. And that'll be a record that people get really excited about. Yeah. You know, and they're also going on tour with Wilco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think right. they're going to have a profile. To me, I pick Kings of Leon because, you know, if anyone's going to care about this record, it would be me. You know, because I've, <laughs> I've written about Kings of Leon. I own multiple Kings of Leon albums. I can defend their first, say, four records. I I, like, I authentically enjoy those records. Um, this is an album, again, I cannot think of the album title. Um, I have listened to it, but I don't remember any of the songs. No one really talked about this record other than in connection to the NFT. Um, I went on Spotify. I mean, the, the, the songs have been streamed. Some of them like a fair number of times, um, you know, a couple million times. So it's like, there's people listening to it, but again, like this was similar to the black keys, one of the biggest rock bands in the world at one point, And I feel like they've totally fallen off the map 
in a lot of ways. Yeah, but don't, don't you feel like maybe they've fallen off our map? Well, yeah. Again, I feel like if they go on tour, and I, I believe they are going on tour, I'm sure they're playing amphitheaters and arenas. So I don't think they themselves, I, they still have a career, obviously, and they're always, I think, going to be able to tour on their back catalog. Um, but this particular album, to me, just seems like a total non-entity. Um, yeah. Which is not to say that I won't be, you know, grilling out later this summer and <laughs> drinking some beer, maybe a little too much beer, and then be like, I'm going to put on the Kings of Leon album, and I'll tweet something ridiculous like, oh, this is actually an underrated classic yeah, of 2021. We're, 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 we're already priming the pump for like the Indie Casties year end where, <laughs> where we talk about like how the Kings of Leon, we just didn't understand their like multifaceted vision in uh, March or whenever this album came out, which by the way, uh, the name of the album is When You See Yourself. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not a great title. I'm not, yeah, it's, oh. it's, it's there. It's a very like, oh, what's, like it, it, it's almost like you just pull off like the Banana Republic shirt. It's like, yeah, this is a blue stri- This is a blue shirt. It matches. There's that one. Yeah, this will work for today. I think their previous record, walls. The one, yeah, walls. The one where they're like in the like it looks like they're in milk and their faces. That's, are I think that's walls. Yeah, uh, yeah, that um, is the one. Yeah, I don't. I'm not, that's another questionable choice. Um, but anyway, let's move on to our next category here. Fine. Most. <laughs> Most festival band, festival band. Ah, uh, yes. And you know, this is uh, this has been one of the joys I think of early 2021 is that we are now back to having live music. We've been having all these festival announcements, and um, it's fun to look at festival posters again and parse who's on there and and to make jokes about how the lineups are similar and, and or how they're not similar. There's some kind of bonkers lineups that have been announced. Um, who's leveling up? Who's like, who's in the tiny font? Like the tree fort festival in Boise. It's like, like, like Navy seal. eye chart. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's fun. It's fun to have this back. You know, we love yeah. having live music back and it's fun just to have something to talk about with all these festivals. Um, and one of the things that you talk about with these festivals is you, you start noticing particular bands who seem to be on every festival. You know, yes. you, you can't get away from them. So this is what this category is for. These these are the bands who are just seem to be on every festival so far this year. We have Japanese Breakfast, mm-hmm. Cassandra Jenkins, who yeah, all the the Triple Crown, Pitchfork, London, Paris, and America. Yeah, she's she's like the. If we had like a subcategory just for Pitchfork festivals, Cassandra <laughs> Jenkins would be cleaning up um, yeah. in that category. Uh, Glass Animals. Glass Animals, yes. Uh, who uh, I think only exist on festival posters. You I, see, I I thought so too. That was the case prior to 2021, but they have this enormous song called Heat Wave, which... Um, you know, at work when people listen to like uh, Spotify indie chill playlist or like any related one, that song is on there. That song like probably has like in the billions of Spotify streams. Wow. And I'm just, I mean, they were always like a band that sort of just kind of existed on festivals. Uh, but nowadays it's like they, Heatwave has about 380 million plays. And, Dang. Um, yeah, I just wonder. It's like, how did that happen? Because usually it's like, oh, a song gets big on the radio, or 
Um, That'd be playlists, just, right? It, like, the, yeah, the universe sort of just decided this Glass Animal song, which is like not noticeably better or worse than any one that came before, is now like an actual hit. Well, and you got Heat Wave. I think people are excited to get outside. There's there's probably a theme that you know, like Lord seems to be honing in on that too. It's like we're getting out of the house. You know, let's hit the beach type vibe. Uh, and then we have Lord Huron as our final nominee in this category. And it's similar to what you were saying about Glass Animals, this is a band that like doesn't get a whole lot of shine from the music press, but they do very well on streaming platforms. They do very well at festivals. Um, you know, they have a great career and uh, and good for them. Um, yeah, interesting band. Like in 2010, they were like the epitome of like Silver Lake hipsterdom. Uh, those EPs, those first couple of EPs, super good. And then they just kind of pivoted to, what if we did like a lip, like Fleet Foxes, but without like all the uh, kind of wrangling about like what, you know, what artistic creation means for us as a millennial generation. It's like, let's just make like kind of a, like a, like a chill Fleet Foxes album. And you know what? They've rode that to the top. It works. It works. People want that. They want They've it. They've outlasted anyone who might make fun of them. Also, like I've interviewed Ben before. Cool guy. Like, I, I just, like, respect the heck out of, like, how they've been able to navigate this industry. It's like, you know, we always think as music critics, oh, people want really talky post-punk bands. No, they want pleasant Fleet Foxes sounding music. Yeah. <laughs> like, never, ever, ever underestimate the power of, like, Americana indie. Absolutely. Like, maybe I'm just sort of biased because, like, I live in, like, Southern California. Nah, that's and... big everywhere. Yeah. That's big okay. in the Midwest, too. Yeah, people... Yeah, that that that's that's money in the bank. If you do that well, yeah. I think you're always going to have an audience, no matter what. Um, the winner of the most <laughs> festival band festival band is Japanese Breakfast. This is probably more of a slam dunk than 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 you would think because, the, like, it's it when it's a band like Japanese Breakfast who comes kind of from the indie cast firmament as opposed to like glass animals or lord huron like those bands that just kind of seem designed to do festivals like japanese breakfast is on i think like just everything except for like um you know pretty much everything except like the strictly rap festivals or like the metal festivals i don't think she's playing that like nine day festival in france which is just all the metal bands but um get her on there Get, yeah, get Michelle on there, man. She would kill. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, she'll she'll be out on the chill out tent or That'd be whatever great. that is for the. But um, yeah, it's like I I I have to respect to strike when the iron's hot. Like um, and the iron cannot be hotter for her right now between the book and the movie and the video game. Like I don't know what it's like. Like I I don't know what the the festival experience is like for a band to be on festivals, but like. They are taking every single one, and I imagine that they could take like five to ten years to make their next album. So, congratulations to Japanese Breakfast, and good luck. On, she's earned it. Yeah. Congratulations on that, and yeah, make the money, get those festival yes. dollars. Uh, our next category, we're calling it the Them Album of the Year, like the kind of Arrested Develop the, the Arrested Development. Uh, her. Like that, maybe that'd be the better. Yeah. One. So this is um, a category that uh, we're uh, spotlighting albums that have done very well critically this year, that we personally are not 
that hot on. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's fine to have disagreements. A lot of people really like these records. Uh, but Ian and I, maybe we're not totally feeling them. We're not really sure why they're getting such critical acclaim. So these are the nominees in this category. The Weather Station record. Yeah, that's like pretty much the cons- like that's that that seems to be the one that shows up the most on these mid year lists in like the top. Which is five. a good record. I, I enjoy that record. It's good. Uh, there's other records that I like more than that that are in a that are in the same lane. You could say, um, yeah. but that's a record that a lot of people have jumped on. I think people appreciate the climate change angle of that record. What's it called again? It's called. Uh, Ignorance. Man, I am like really carrying the fucking weight on this album. Title yes, you thing. are. Well, that's why I rely on you. Yeah. You can just. The wags. You, uh, you can spit them out. Very wags esque. Uh, <laughs> St. Vincent, Daddy's Home. Uh, she's back. That's super interesting because, like, as much as like people, you know, you and I talk about like whether or not people have like turned on her or whatever, this album is like extremely well reviewed. Same with Lana Del Rey. Yeah, St. Vincent always does well with critics. I mean, they were not, they were going to like, she's too big to fail, I think, in terms of that. She is like, you two, uh, how did this mantle an atomic <laughs> bomb era? Uh, Ice Age uh, is next. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> a perennial uh, conversation topic on IndieCast. You know, we ought, we ought to give them some credit. We could have almost put them in the album cycle category just for us because we like to talk <laughs> about Ice Age and, and take shots at them. A lot of people love Ice Age. Yeah, uh, but that's like kind of small potatoes. Like, you know, you'll right. get like the kind in our of – world. That's like more like subtweeting rather than like super tweeting. Yeah, in our world, it, it's a big deal. Maybe not elsewhere. Um, yeah. You put Wolf Alice in this category. I feel it. I yeah. Feel like if we were in England, that would be the case. I don't know if they belong here. Oh, but I, I, I like I would it would be it's in there because I reviewed this album, um, and when I when I was reviewing it, it had like something. It's critical acclaim right now is it, not anymore because it went down a little bit. But this was like at the level of like Stankonia or like a Fiona Apple album or like To Pimp a Butterfly. Like the the discrepancy, but like this was like the British press is back in action and they are talking about like how wolf alice's third album is like their okay computer uh whatever yeah, that third album because like here in america there's still a band that i feel like gets i think they get played on rock radio here but yeah but, probably but the, but they're not point. they're definitely not media darlings here in america but yeah in, in england though yeah it's just the discrepancy between the british press and like what i was actually hearing to me it's like Go, like go ahead and read the reviews, Steve. Like you got it. And then and then we have this is maybe an honorary nominee. Yeah. We, we have Bo Burnham's Inside. Yeah, we're gonna poke that. Yeah, there I'm not again. gonna delve into that too much. The <laughs> the Bo Burnham heads out there, very passionate, uh, and uh, and and God love them. I'm glad they like that special. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, so the winner. <laughs> In the Them Album of the Year category, and really, is this a big surprise? Oh, I, and I think this is unanimous. I think I could say this is probably unanimous. The winner is yeah. Ice Age. The per- perennial winner, you know? It's like, I, I think this one was more fun for me because, like, every. It, I, I, it's very rare to see this level of wishful thinking to say that like, oh, this is going to be the song, this is going to be the album that like people kind of like they, they learn to love festivals again and go outside. And it's, it's, I mean, got like, this, I almost have to respect it because like 
in a way they are a very indie cast sort of band in that like we kind of have to just sort of theoretically imagine its effect on a festival crowd in reality they're probably playing you know the same like two or three hundred capacity rooms in san diego that like i saw like dodos in but um yeah it's you you gotta just respect how hard people go in the same like it's Almost also like a you uh, 2 had to dismantle an atomic bomb and we're all like the David Frick. Yeah, you know, I like how we're both a little apologetic now about taking shots at Ice Age. Like we're, we're both qualifying our criticism of them because, you know, we, we don't want to be gratuitous, I don't think. But like it is true that they were on a bunch of mid-year lists. Uh, before that, this album was very well reviewed, and uh, For, like at the number fifteen-ish spot, let's say. and and I think the uh, the sticking point for me, and this is probably true for you, is that on paper this should be a band that we like. Uh, there's a lot of elements to this band that, like again, if I'm reading about them, I feel like oh, this sounds like a band I would love. And I've been tricked by that so many times with Ice Age. I, I feel like <laughs> I give their albums a shot every time, and it just never connects, and it never comes together in a satisfying way. Uh, and, you know, it just becomes one of those things where it's like, well, oh, this is the rock band now that's going to be praised by all these places? Like, why not band X or band Y? You know, I mean... <laughs> why not literally any other band? <laughs> but, uh, you know, they... Uh, they don't win for me in terms of putting out great records, but they did win an indie casty. So congratulations to Ice Age. Uh, let's get into our last. I, I look. For, I look forward to uh, Ice Age winning this exact category again in twenty twenty three. Yeah, or if we're doing a year end category, I, I feel like you know they have like an E Fartlow level lock on this category. Um, let's get to our last category. That is the most fun. Narrative of 2021. I feel like we've done a lot of cheeky categories here. Uh, so it's, it's nice to end on something positive. These are things that we were really excited to see people talking about or, or you know, people writing articles about, the, you know, just these narratives being in the ether. Uh, our first nominee, The Armed. Just the whole thing around yeah. The Armed. And, and, and them yeah. doing interviews about lifting weights getting and super jacked and getting jacked they're a fun band that was fun to talk about the ska revival oh yeah which was a lot of fun you know you can't not be happy if you're talking about ska uh yes. the gin blossoms dunking on that guy yeah. uh because because the, they played at the uh at the nba playoffs as a representative of arizona the phoenix suns have had uh jimmy world and uh the jim blossoms as their halftime shows and they're in the nba finals so absolutely and yeah. who knew that arizona had such a good musical lineage i mean that i mean those two bands I mean, the, alone the, aside from like the meat puppets that's pretty much oh, it's it. <laughs> true oh they could have the meat puppets i mean but you know i'll take those three bands if those are yeah, your, that's a good... if you're giving me those three bands that's better than i would guess like two-thirds of the states in america yeah it's definitely better I, you know, my home state of wisconsin you've got bunny Vare. The Bodines yeah. and the Violent Femmes. That's actually a pretty good top three. I'll take that. Promise Ring. Promise mm-hmm. Ring. Jesus. Promise Ring. Rainer Maria. Rainer I mean, Mar- like... Die, you- Die Cruisin. You gotta put them in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so actually, Wisconsin Rules. I'm sorry. We actually do have a lot of good stuff. Um, and then, uh, finally, uh, and I added this at the last minute, the return of live music. 
just being oh. just, just it, this dovetails with our previous conversation about most festival band festival band uh but just being able to have concerts back and and to talk about this stuff i think it's been really fun um to have so the winner here i don't know what your your winner here is but i'm gonna say live music how about you are you on, are you on the same page uh man i would say the ska revival was like uh, you know what i want to say it was fun but like it, it generated a little bit of backlash like i just think the ska revival was like it it was great to talk about because you could see who's like really excited and like who's been just waiting for 20 years to get this back in the mix and you know the truth of the matter is uh i know like the the no plus ones podcast that dan ozzy and dave anthony brought it up it's like not like this these bands like all of a sudden sold a lot of records or were getting a lot of critical acclaim it was just yeah let's talk about ska like it's ha- it's it's ready to happen this music is fun and also i think it's the mo- one of the most fun narratives of 2021 because i feel like in part we kind of help actualize it so wait so are you saying ska is your pick yes okay cue the applause <laughs> so we have to you know let's remember this is the uh we have to adhere to the uh, the the structure of our show here. I feel like this is like the end of that Oscars where they weren't sure if Moonlight won or like La La Land won. You know, it's like there's like two different choices. Uh. <laughs> um, but but no, yeah, I agree. I mean, the ska music uh, revival to me, yeah, again, like ska to me is such a good-hearted kind of music mm-hmm. that it's hard to be angry at, even if. I can't listen to it for like a really long time, yeah. you know, like about 15 minutes of ska. It's like, okay, I've got it. Uh, you know, but I, but I love that it's there. I love the people who are really into it. Um, and yeah, I cheer for it. it it's an ascendant uh, genre. It's something that's always around. Like you, you, people like to assume that it goes out of style, but there's always going to be people out there waving the flag for ska and you know that they're true blue believers in it. Yeah. Like Jeff Rosenstock. I mean, he was waving the flag for Ska when I interviewed him five, six years ago. Yeah. And no one else was talking about Ska. And he's still talking about Ska, and he helped bring it back a little bit. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. They're, he, they're, they're doing this. They added a Ska Dream show in um, in L.A. So that's, yeah. That If we want to talk about, like, the kind of bringing it all back home, like, dude, they're, they're going to be doing, like, an actual show for that record, Ska Dream. So... Matt, you made me think when you said bring it all back home, you made me think about like the reggae songs that Bob Dylan has played in the past, like <laughs> especially during his Christian period. Yeah. There was a period like where he was singing about God, but then he was also bringing reggae more into what he was doing. It's a very interesting convoy. And that's where we put of, the of, Axl of Rose, there. give me some reggae in for knocking on heaven's door. Like, uh, But yeah, I mean, as much as I love the Ska revival, I have to say again that like the return of live music and the return of festivals and just being able to have that to look forward to uh, really is like the feel good story to me of music discourse in 2021 that, uh, you know, some of us have already seen concerts. I think a lot of the concerts are going to be taking place later in the year. Again, we've talked about this August and September and October. Those, I think the first one I'm doing is turnstile in October in uh, late August. So on the day that this, Episode post, I'll be driving to Eau Claire to see a jam band festival. So uh, <laughs> that'll be great. I'm excited for that. Uh, so yeah, the lots of things. Strong. Yes, lots of things to look forward to. Uh, so 
we have gone long on this uh, ceremony here for the Indie Cassie, so we don't have time for Recommendation Corner. We'll get to that next week. I guess, I mean, we could do like a quick shout-out. I, I just want to do a shout-out to the Questlove documentary that comes out today. You can see it in theaters and on Hulu. Summer of Soul. It's really great. I would go recommend checking that out. Do you have an album you want to shout out quick? Yeah, I want to. Um, I want to give a shout out to an album called uh, from a band called Bigger Better Son. Uh, they are from the Oso Oso Extended Universe. Uh, it's an album called Adjust to Wellness. And so, um, yeah, it's a great power pop album. If you like Oso Oso, uh, the one of the people in the band produced the Unihon mixtape. Uh, this one goes a little bit more in a power pop direction, but like super, 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 super fun music. Very catchy, um, just low key, and but like very excellent at what it does. It's very hard to find albums that do this this well. All right, so that does it for our episode here. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with more news and reviews and hashing out trends next week. And if you're looking for more music recommendations, sign up for the Indie Mixtape Newsletter. You can go to uprocks.com backslash indie, and I recommend five albums per week, and we'll send it directly to your email box.